Observations about religion and faith on the international stage. There's a yearning within the human person to feel that our life has not only some kind of purpose, that somehow hope is an element, a, a very important element to our human journey, but, but also I think we have this yearning to feel that we are not alone, that we are accompanied somehow, so that the religious experience provides us with a means of coming to terms with that need to be accompanied. From Religion News Service, this is Beliefs. I'm Bill Baker. Robert Henry has a long international career in financial consulting, which led to worldwide travel teamed with his interest in faith, culture, and religion. Oxford educated and ordained deacon and an accomplished author, he joins me in suburban New York City. Robert, uh, what triggered your interest in studying other religions? Bill, it's an interest I've had for a a long time. I had um, some very good Buddhist friends, um, close friends, who I'd known in New York many, many years ago, and they had become Buddhists and moved to the West Coast, to California, where they could be close to a uh, very large Buddhist monastery. Uh, About 15 years ago, this friend of mine invited me over to California to the monastery that he was associated with um, so I could participate in a conference uh, with a Belgian Benedictine monk who he had invited, he and his wife had invited to California to discuss issues uh, of inter religious relationships, particularly between Buddhism and uh, Christianity. My own background is is very much Benedictine. I, many years ago, became a Catholic because I found that the Benedictine monastic tradition was a very attractive one to me. And so I was extremely interested in the idea of a Benedictine monk dialoguing with um, Buddhists, and it, it turned out to be, for me, uh, a, a really very, very interesting experience. And this monk, who was French-speaking, and I'm French by background, asked me whether I would translate for him a book that he had written about his experiences in a Buddhist Zen monastery in Japan. And I agreed to do that. I don't particularly like translation work, but this man was was deeply impressive from a spiritual point of view. And I took up the opportunity, and I worked on his book. And the, the theme was that what is really important in a spiritual journey is the willingness to invite others into one's own spiritual space. So his theme was very much one of of welcome, of hospitality, that hospitality is at the base of the understanding of the religious life, and that if you can be hospitable to others, it means that you actually care for others. And 
it has a wonderful impact on your own spiritual life and on your openness to other ideas. And I think that really got me going. And I love traveling, Bill, as you probably know. I've had the opportunity to travel to places like China. I'm hoping next month to go to India and the the Near East. And I have found that that openness to other religious traditions had a very, very positive impact on my own life. Now, you've studied religion and cared about the subject for many decades. Have you thought about the profound effect of religion, and you've studied history, the profound effects of religion on the peoples of this world and the history of this world? And also there's a view that religion not only has had a very positive effect, which you could discuss, but also perhaps even some negative effects like intolerance and narrow-mindedness. It's a hugely complex subject, Bill, uh, obviously. I mean, I, I think that one of the most positive aspects of religion is that it it invites the human person to be concerned for others. I think it's that that community feeling, that feeling that we are not an island in of ourselves, but that in order to grow as human beings, we need to be open to others. In other words, we need to care for others. And at the same time, uh, this is very much something that, that I have come to, that we need to be accepting that, that one of the issues we always face is not to have unrealistic expectations about other people, but to develop a spirituality that enables us to be open to the way in which other people are and to cope with the human situation as we find ourselves having to face it. And uh, That's one of the aspects of Buddhism that I like very, very much, this idea that humans deal with anxiety uh, and that one of the th- ways of dealing with that is to be more accepting of the human situations in which we find ourselves and to cope with others and to be open to others. So I, I think those are immensely positive aspects of religion. The negative that you uh, refer to and that one cannot help Uh, referring to, is the fact that, unfortunately, the shadow side of religion is that it involves us in identity. It involves us in this tendency that we have as humans of being tribal, of being part. I mean, we need to be part of a community in order to survive, in order to grow spiritually, in order to understand who we are as humans. But the community has a shadow aspect that it can also become a tribe, it can become tribal, and we can therefore find ourselves using religion as a tribal mark that then encourages that shadow tendency within us, which is to exclude others and to be aggressive toward those that don't belong to our tribe. I, I call that the identity shadow side of religion. And 
you know, we can spend our whole lives uh, meditating on, on why that is. I, I think, Bill, it's something that's just part of our human condition. And I think one of the things that religion can teach us is, is to cope with that. We're not going to eliminate that. But hopefully we can develop a spirituality that makes us more aware of it and helps us to just cope with that yin and yang, as it were. Uh, and that it's, it's part of what religion, the effect that religion has on people. We just have to find ways of coping with it. You dealt very well, and I like the thought of the shadow side. I mean, I like the, the depiction of that. I don't like what it is, but I like the depiction of it. And what about the positive side of religion? You touched on it as a uh, community of bringing other people with you. But are there things in common of all faiths, no matter what kind of faith it is? Would you say there are some basic common elements that touch all religions? Yes, absolutely. I think, Bill, there's there's a yearning within the human person to feel that our life has not only some kind of purpose, that somehow hope is an element a, a very important element to our human journey. But, but also I think we have this yearning to feel that we are not alone, that we are accompanied somehow, so that the religious experience provides us with a means of coming to terms with that need to be accompanied, that we're not alone. And I think all religions, whether we, we see that in Islam um, obviously in Christianity, where there's very much the idea that we are, you know, accompanied by the person of Jesus. But, but that is also present in other religious traditions. And I think it's, it's fundamental. There can be no real religion without meeting that human yearning for feeling that we're not alone. What about the value of religious ceremony, of everything from baptism uh, to religions that have that, to some kind of ceremony over the, the uh, person who dies, and everything in between? How important are those elements in religion? And in some religions, do they not exist at all? No, I, I think uh, ritual exists in all religions. Um, some perhaps emphasize it more than others, but it's present in Buddhism. It's uh, very much present in Islam, the idea of the five times a day of declaring that uh, there is one God and you do that physically as well as spiritually. Very much present in all religions. I think I think that ritual, I'm going to say both ritual and narrative, the, the importance of a, of, of a narrative to accompany religion. All religions are accompanied by narrative, whether it's the Quran, whether it's the Buddhist scriptures, whether it's the Judeo-Christian scriptures, because I think both religion and narrative are a way of expressing this um, need that we have to feel accompanied. It, it, it sort of um, 
grounds us, grounds us in that need and gives us the, the imagery, the symbol that we need in order to give expression to that very, very basic human need. Uh, you didn't ask me the question, but I, l- l- let me just say something, which is very much, which has become, as I've grown older, very much part of our, my own spirituality. I, I think that that religion is an expression, good religion, is an expression of a need that comes out of the human condition, as opposed. I may shock certain people by saying that, as opposed to sort of being uh, parachuted down from above. Uh, it's it's a need that we all have as human beings, and in a sense, it's it's something that's very real, Bill. You know, you you don't need to prove the existence of God. I mean, the Middle Ages, uh, Thomas Aquinas, all the the, the 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 philosophical traditions of trying to prove the existence of God. Um, the proof here is that it's something that is um, part of our humanity and is very, very real. And it finds in religious ritual, good religious ritual, and in good religious narrative, it finds, that's where we find the expression of that need. And to me, uh, that's how, if you want to use theological words, that's how the divine reveals itself, through action, in liturgy, in liturgy or in, in, in ritual, and through the narrative. The narrative is very important. You use the term good religion. Is there a bad religion? Definitely. I, I mentioned shadow. I, I think that the other shadow in religion is that religion uses symbol. It uses narrative. And there comes a point where consciousness develops that somehow we need to accept the symbols, whether they're in the narratives or in the actions that we take in ritual, as if they were fact. So that people will say to you, well, you, you, you have to believe in the actual, you have to consider the symbols to be to be real. A symbol is symbolic. Once you start, uh, once you, you find yourself in a situation where you are forced or required to accept the symbol as being an objective physical reality, then in my mind, you uh, find yourself. Um, you find yourself falling into a sort of a fundamentalist view of religion. And I think that that is one of the shadow aspects of, of religion, a shadow aspect of spirituality, because it, it diverts you from the greater truth, which is only understandable through the symbol. That's an interesting, interesting point uh, in a very, very complex subject, obviously. Um, let's talk about the present. There's a lot going on in this world today, and the world is uh, quite different than it ever has been. It's now very interconnected. Um, there's uh, full developments of science and a whole new approach to looking at uh, the environment around us. 
Um, and all of this seems to be uh, having some effect on, uh, or maybe there are other things, on religion. All of the religious uh, groups in the world are starting to go down, as far as I know, according, or at least in the United States. All religions are losing uh, supporters. Um, what does that mean for the future? Uh, this huge growth of nons, non-believers, um, the way the numbers are currently growing, if they were straight lines, there'd be, uh, you know, you know, there would be almost no believers left. That's certainly not going to happen. But at any rate, these are unusual and troubling things that are happening in our world today. Would you comment on some of the ramifications and your forecasts? Oh, I think that's a huge issue, Bill, that you identify. Um, I mean, coming back to my uh, sort of belief that good religion, the word I used before, good religion is an expression, is a way of giving expression to a very fundamental human need. That human need is not going to disappear. But I, I think one of the issues we face is that we know things about the world, about the physical world, about the world that surrounds us. We know things about um, human mental health. We know things about neuroscience that we didn't know before. And therefore, in my view, that has an impact on the symbols that we use. It has an impact, I referred earlier on, to narrative, religious narrative. All, all religions have a narrative base. And I think the, the huge question, which I certainly don't have an answer, is in order for religion to remain uh, relevant, and it is relevant, in order to remain relevant, are those symbols, are those narratives Will they need to be adapted in order to reflect what we know about the world today that we didn't know when those narratives were developed? And that's a huge question, and I think it's one that is, uh, I'm going to say, I think is, is, is somewhat threatening to people who are religious professionals. But I, I think it's a huge issue, and I think it's one, in my mind, uh, that will have to be faced in the future. Uh, I mean, again, I, I, I'm hesitant to say this, but if you look at the sweep of history, religion is always present, whether you look at ancient times, whether you look at the Middle Ages, whether you look at today, it's always present. But religions do um, fade, and new religions take their place. That, that, that's, that's not something that people want to hear particularly, but I think if, you're, if, if you do look at the sweep of history, you have to question whether a major religion needs to adapt itself to what is known about the world today in order to survive, or it will be supplanted by another form of spirituality. That's again is a is a kind of a threatening statement to make, or it's threatening to certain people. But I think it has to be faced up to. The big question is, and of course, none, nobody knows the answer. But what is your expectation? Do you think it will be faced up to? I would wish that it were faced up to, but Bill, as in politics, uh, 
there is always a tension between those who are open to making changes in order to adapt to a changed world and those who say no, 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 uh, in order to survive, we have to do better that which we did in the past. And I think that there will always be a conflict between those two approaches. Um, as you can tell, I'm sure, from this conversation, I would be in the camp that if we don't adjust, if we don't um, take into account the changed world, um, that some another movement will come in and take its place. I mean, it's happened over and over again in history. Robert Henry, thank you for this thoughtful conversation. We hope to hear more from you in the future. Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to be with you, Bill, as always. Thank you. Robert Henry's most recent book is Bloodshot Mountain. He's currently working on a writing project involving early linguists who set out to find common ground with faraway cultures. The conversation continues on our Facebook page, and we tweet at Beliefs Podcast. If you like our program, come review us on iTunes. Beliefs is brought to you with the support of the Bernard L. Schwartz Center for Media, Public Policy, and Education at the Graduate School of Education at Fordham University. Jay Woodward is our producer. I'm Bill Baker. Thank you for listening.